I never thought of I were given a chance back to Malaysia because it's not easy for a female to lead the brand, luxury brand in the Malaysia. Most of the time, people will hire expats, Mia, to, 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 to be the exec chef. And I never thought of myself given the chance to be the exec chef in San Rikislangkawi. You're listening to Foodie Canteen. I'm your host, Kessel Lim. In this podcast, I sit down with Southeast Asia's leaders, entrepreneurs, and content creators in the FMB space. This is where you will learn about their trade secrets, or maybe you'll just find them as your next door neighbor. This show is supported by Good Foodie Media. For foodies who want to connect to the world through food, they curate the best spots to eat and drink in Malaysia, Bangkok, and Singapore. Check them out on Instagram for more. My guest today spent her childhood watching Bollywood movies and eating Bengali roti with her grandfather. As a teenager, she did everything she could to get away from studies and anything related to alphabets. Since then, she found her niche, breaking glass ceilings in the culinary world to now becoming the executive head chef of the prestigious Singh Regis Langkawi. This is a story. I'm not a good student when I'm studying Chongming Butterworth. So it's a, it's a very good, very good uh, school in Penang. Uh, I'm not a good student at all. I, I don't have any, um, I mean, how to say, I don't have any directions when I study in secondary school. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no clue what I want to be, a chef or lawyer or engineering. And a lot of my family relatives, most of them are lawyers. Most of them are lawyers. So I was in and some political background as well. My uncle used to be a political um, uh, minister. So it, it does give me a very stressful when I study in secondary where my father wanted me to be engineering. So at least we can follow the steps, like how my family goes growing. Uh, it's made me, make me feel like I this is not what I'm looking at. And I don't know until I, I, I got a chance um, after I graduated from Form 5, my father wanted me to continue study at engineering, but I refused to. This is not me. This is not me, something that I like. I, I thought of studying in culinary would be something for me, run away from all the alphabets, all the computer admins, English, everything. I was talking like, I just thought like, I want to be a chef, cooking, that's it. Yeah. So I chose to be culinary. And yeah, this is how I start my career as a chef. You started as a kitchen trainee at Mandarin Oriental in KL. How was your experience there? Um, lovely. I love that property so much. Um, when I studied in KDU Penang, uh, most of my uh, most of my classmates they all went to uh, Rasa Sayang, Golden Sands Penang. I'm the only one request my 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 hotel uh, my my college sent me to chaos and I choose the best hotel where the time when you are the Kuala Lumpur is the most famous during 2008. Yeah. Yes. So, no, 2006, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, being there, I, I given a chance to trainings in four kitchens, I remember. So I'll start with the co-kitchen productions and then the main kitchen, learning some about Malay cuisine, go to the all-day all dining restaurant, which is Bibas restaurant that time. And then uh, moving to the fine dining restaurant, Pacifica Grill Bar, whereby the name right now is Mandarin Grill Bar. 
So given the chance um, to learn about cooking, it's really bring my interest curious how does the back or house works compared with the house cooking. You know, house cooking, you just need two stove, refrigerator, COVID, right? But when I go first time, you know, when I'm 18 years old, you go to such a very huge kitchen with glass chiller, all those modern cooking equipments. It made me open my eyes. Wow, how amazing to be a chef. And I always request my chef, can I stay back to learn about what I want to see? Uh, for example, we did a banquet for 2,000 packs. Uh, when I'm in a restaurant, we used to serve royal family in the Pacific Agrarian Bar. I willing to spend my time to learn because that was something that made me feel like satisfied. And Mandarin Enter really made me uh, feel like this is the career that I want to. So after I graduated from um, KDU Penang, I, I sent the email to the director of learning and development. I said, I used to be a trainee in Mandarin Enter Kolompong right now. I want to apply a job in Pacifica Grepa. I found that... Um, in Pacifica Greba, when I, although I'm just a trainee over there at times, I'm just cutting onion, peel the eggs, doing the vacuum, pack the soup. But when my eyes observe the senior cooking the things, <clears throat> preparation, doing the service, I feel it's the job as a chef is so amazing. It's so amazing. How can you plate out a dish in five minutes for serving? And how can you serve about 600 guests, 260 guests? in the night for the flow with just about 10% in the kitchens. So <clears throat> I applied my job first career uh, in Madrid and I got the jobs. I spent two years and eight months over there. I read about an incident uh, you had with the souffle and the kitchen aid during your time there. Can you tell us about that? Okay. So mm, Pacifica Grandpa that time is slightly more into the French cuisine. So souffle is a very classic traditional um, dish, dessert dishes from French. Um, <clears throat> it's very simple, mixed with the egg, white and sugar. You beat it, become a batter of the meringues, and then you fold with the chocolates. Uh, of course, in kitchen industry, <clears throat> we all use machines. So I remember my exec chef, Marcel Koffler, my first exec chef, Marcel Koffler, he used to round all the kitchen every day. So I never expect he would talk to me because, you know, this is a commentary for me that time, right? Who was expecting that as a chef would come and talk to you? And I feel happy. That time I was assigned dessert, dessert counters, dessert sections, we say that. Um, I'm preparing the souffle for my dinner service. Um, I just use the kitchen and beat the meringues, kitchen egg, meet the meringues with egg white and sugar. So, well, he saw I'm missing it and he knew I'm a new staff. So he came to me. You have to learn about basic before you use the equipment. So he taught me, he taught me how to use a whisk to do a souffle. And he spent about 15 minutes time with me. I, I, I feel so happy that time that you know my exec chef passed by to me and teach me. He just said, Stop Mandy, I'm gonna teach you the basic how you use the hand to do the souffle. Beat that meringues and then how to fold in the mixtures before you bake. So he taught me. It's very important that you learn your basics before you run. So learn to walk before you run so that at least in the future, if I've got a chance to be a chef, which we are doing right now, I can teach people about basics. Because the basic is very important. You know how is the origin, how is the preparation of the dishes. And surprisingly, I thought he just teach me, spend me about 15 to 20 minutes time, teach me that he walked away. And the next day he came to me and asked me, how is your souffle doing? 
and he asked me back again for him to try. So this this is uh, is my mentor, and he never fail to give me every single hopes and guide whenever I need him. Um, yeah, he he bring me for competitions to Procursador, uh, with the selection of Malaysia, and we are very lucky that uh, we won the selection of Malaysia, and we represent Malaysia to. Uh, Shanghai for Asia Pacific selection and we are the first female teams who won the competition and we got the chance to represent Asia Pacific to the final at Lyons um, uh, although we are not the winners of the Opusdor competitions but however Malaysia is very proud that we won the Malaysia, Asia Pacific selections and we are the first female team who won that yeah um, two years and eight months I remember clearly this uh, my mentor my chef Koffer, my chef I went through all the outlets. I went through all the dinings. I went through the Pacifica Grand Bar. I went through banquets. Because <clears throat> my trainee, I go to pastry. I go to um, production team. I even went to Chinese kitchen, learn about dim sum. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I went to all the section, all the kitchens in Mandarin Intercolumbo two years and eight months after. After we back from... Uh, from France, Lyon, I found that everything I have learned over there, I look for him and ask him, chef, I have learned what I want to learn over here and I want to learn something more. But I don't know what can I learn. Because you know, when you're young, you're full of curious and you want to learn more and more when you have the passion that in that. And I'm very surprised, you know what chef myself told me? It's time for you to leave. Wow. Go to other place and learn something that is you can't learn here. Yeah, wow. Well, I I would say right now I'm still in touch with him, so I go to Singapore and I I he teach me he he teach me everything in very classic way. He told me bring all your CV, go to Singapore, walk into every restaurants that you I listed down that's famous restaurant in Singapore. I knock their door, I go and go to the restaurant, give to the hostess. This is my CV. I want to apply my job there. I went to ten restaurants in Singapore. I remember clearly. Wow. I, he teach me how he do when he yeah. learn in Switzerland, you know. And see you, see you talk now. You are so passionate, and I think uh, you are like you know what? I don't like the A B C D E's. I don't like the school, the engineering. Let me figure something out for myself. Something to do with my hands that. I am passionate about that makes me happy. And um, before this interview, we had a call and then you you shared with me how you use BESTA to translate what others were saying uh, right. in, that, in that journey. Tell us about that because I feel like it's so inspiring. Sometimes we are so afraid. We have all these hurdles and like, you know what, maybe I don't want to do it. But for you, it's like, you know what, if it takes me to use a BESTA to translate word by word, I'm going yes. to do it. You know, I, I'm... Like I mentioned earlier, I'm not a good student at all. I, I, I sleep in the class when I'm studying in SPM. When I'm studying from five, I just sleep in class because I have no interest about everything. If I don't have interest about that, I can't put my time and effort going into it. I only like mathematics when I'm from five. English, I'm poor. Very, very poor. I, I can't communicate at all with my chef when the time I'm working in Mandarin and Colombo because I don't speak well English at all. At all. So I have no choice. I forced to learn. I forced to learn because... All my chef, my chef cuisine at Zexu and kitchens, we are using English. I, 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 and that time, we still don't have no iPhones. I can't remember. Maybe I'm using Panasonic phone, Nokia at that time, right? Yeah. So, Google Translate. So, when people, whenever people texting me, message me, I have to reply in English. I have to use Besta. So, yeah. that time, 
if you ask me to get a dictionary to translate it, it's going to be very difficult for me. So I spend my money, go and buy a Besta, translate it. So whenever people text me, I could not be understand what they are trying to say. So Besta is my best friend that try and I, I learn English from Besta. And it's after from five. Could you imagine that <laughs> uh, you don't study in the school? Because I don't like to, I don't like alphabets. I don't like, I only like numbers. I have no clue why. I like numbers, but I don't like alphabets. But I forced to communicate because I, I forced to learn English uh, when I work in Mandarin or in Colombo because I have to speak English. I have no chance to speak in Mandarin, Cantonese, Hokkien. So Besta teach me and how I learned my English from there when I was 19 years old. Yeah. You are very well-traveled, having worked in cities like Shanghai, Guangzhou and Macau. And now you're back home in Malaysia. Um, Langkawi is a very special place to you. Um, I heard that this is where you did your national service. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that right now? Uh, lovely. I like this. I like Langkawi so much. Um, honestly, when I'm 18 years old, I'm here for national, national service, exactly the same locations, exactly the same location. I spent three months here for my national service. So, of course, that time is very, you know, it's not like city, it's very natural about everything. Uh, maybe you just have one cinema, shopping mall, that's it. So, I didn't have very good impression with Langkawi, honestly, uh, because my national service here, three months, you know, running in the jungle, swimming in the sea, five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, it's running. so different compared to where, what you're doing in Langkawi now at St. Regis. Yeah, it's totally different. Um, yeah. When I got the offer in St. Regis, Langkawi, first, I think twice. Is it because my impression about Langkawi was when I'm 18 years old yeah. right now? So would it be like you know in city it's different? Cashless, I'm working in a cashless city, Shanghai, Macau, Singapore. Yeah. All this you know it's very advanced. I think of first Langkawi. Would it is something that I'm looking at? So I, I spoke to when I got a job offer, I said I prefer to have a side visit with this property. And I came to here, of course, uh, I came here for food testing, preparing the dishes for my managing directors. All here, everything is perfect. So I take the offer. But officially, when I move here uh, as it works, right, it's very difficult for me. Because it's, it's all about local products. It's all about um, how to work with the local communities. Because it's totally different with city, like for example, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore, all these places. You can get your product easily or produce easily. Mm. But here it's very different for me. Uh, maybe nearby the best shopping mall we have is Langkawi Mall. And inside you might be just have DIYs, a million, that's it. It's totally different when I'm back from a city that is the busiest city in the world. Right? And then back to a place is so village, I can say that. It's, it's different. Uh, two years after right now, I can tell you, I love Langkawi. The, 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 the balancing is there. I might be very stressful with my jobs, my work career, but off day, I found a balance. This is some place that you won't find the stressful when you're off day. I can just riding my bicycles, my motors, car, do something, go to the, you know, the party here, go to the Paramasiras there and drive very local dishes, listen to the noise of the sea, the birds, it's so calm and relaxed. I even think of like retire here. 
That sounds really, really good. Yeah. So you are actually the first female executive chef at Saint Regis Langkawi. Um, Thank you. What are your thoughts on this? How do you feel about this? Never thought of that at all in my life. I never thought that in my life uh, I would be as a chef in the age of thirty-one. Honestly, uh, I'm very grateful that offer came from Madrid's corporates giving me these opportunities. And my career in the past, it's just like, it's Chef de Cousinoni. So basically, I'm running restaurant by myself. And this is first time I'm working as a, as a great chef um, where I can run the restaurant. So it's very important about teamwork and trust my team. I have to trust them. They will have to run the outlets for me. Four outlets I have it here. It's not easy. And the, more impo- the most important for me is training. I have to teach them. Two years I'm here, every day I've never stopped teaching them, giving them advice and work out together. Because the show, the kitchen, the food is not for me myself. They are the ones who run the kitchen for me on behalf. Four kitchens I have. And every of the chef, I can't tell them that this is what I want. Um, you have to follow me. No, I, I don't do this. I believe in discussions and <clears throat> how can we do the things? How can we deliver food by discussion? We discuss the opinion, the challenge, and what can we deliver the best for the experience with the guests. Yeah. Um, it's not easy to be a chef, but I enjoy doing it because I enjoy the coaching parts. I enjoy the coaching part, discuss with my team what are the things we can do it and discuss it together. And most of them consider my senior. My chef cousin are elder than me, I can say that. And my, my sous chef is elder than me. I respect them. I don't point them. I I always name that as a chef, Chef Jai, Chef Bob, Chef Shah. Because we all are chefs, we have to learn about respect to each other. Everyone has their strength in cooking. It might be not the way we want, but at the end, if we discuss, come up with the dishes that bring out the local experience and the Western culture with the brand of San Regis, right? Deliver to guests. This is the thing I believe always. I feel like you put it in such a beautiful way. Like respect is key regardless of your position and working as a team. Um, are there any challenges you have faced that is unique to your status as the first female executive chef? Of course, um, challenges we always have. Um, everyday new challenges uh, we have maybe come from the guests, come from the colleagues, come from my teams. But it's all about communicates. I believe it's but the most important key is about communication. The message might pass wrongly from a person to another person. Um, I always tell my teams, investigate. When we have a complaint of the food, for example, say for example, complaint of the food, we investigate. Don't blame the teams who are preparing this. Always when you know when you're working in French kitchen, something wrong, the French chef will throw the pot to you. And I used to get the... <laughs> so like Hell's Kitchen is real. <laughs> All this things are true. in the kitchen. When you're working in French kitchen... yeah. It's very common you get through the board and your chef will scold backward to you and you don't know what he's talking. Yes, I used to get that. But uh, it doesn't apply in Malaysia. It doesn't apply in Asian country. And it doesn't apply with the century right now. Right now, we all are educators, chef. We are not like, you know, 20 years back, people are trying to learn about French cuisine. So people would take it. Even you throw the pot to me, I would take it because that time, the education about food was not that strong with right now. Right now, everything you can learn. And like I said earlier, I don't do that to my teams because I respect them. Anything that challenges they're facing is combinate 
find out the problem, what is the root cause of it, and we solve it together. A lot of it, we found out the main challenges is come from communications. So the communication by pass, you know, the most common is wrong message passed to each other. If, at the end, it becomes very negative. If from a positive point of view, become very negative. So I rather spend my time to explain to them. Every day, I'm spending at least one hour to 90 minutes with my team for briefing. Wow. It's very important. It's a very important my team know me. Why does the briefing, culinary briefing is very important for me? This is the time all my chefs will meet each other and we voice out our challenges we're facing, the wow. problem with and how can we have the problem solved to each other? Yeah. And some together in the briefing. That was Mandy Gore. You're listening to Foodie Canteen. After this break, we see how even though Mandy spent her life running away from the pen, she now embraces it like an old friend. As focused as she was on the food while she rose in the ranks, she soon realised that being a great chef was about more than just the dishes she served. Instead, it was about the people she would meet, the planning she would undertake, and the memories she would help create. This show is supported by Good Foodie Media. For foodie who wants to connect to the world through food, that's where you go. Find Penang Foodie, KL Foodie, Halal Foodie, Singapore Foodie, and Bangkok Foodie on Instagram. They curate the best spots to eat and drink in these cities. You know, I used to hold a knife. And now I'm changing hold the pants, playing with my keyboards. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for me, but... Uh, it's very important I plan according for my teams. What are the events we're forecasting in the next years, next months, or this month? So I have to plan according to them with the challenges. For example, that is my job to solve for that. Ingredient sourcing, um, maybe the challenges with the, the kitchen flow. Uh, say, for example, we might have a challenge if the kitchen might not be able to cope with the the, the, the guests we're serving. Say for instance, I might need to serve up 200 guests and the kitchen might be have the, the, the size of it, right? It was built and we can't change anything. Um, this is what we can do is I plan for them with the flow with uh, uh, support from each other kitchens. From each other kitchen, how can we bring the support to each other kitchen and plan about FMB marketing, giving the training to them, <clears throat> everyday training about how to cook, the technique of cooking, presentations and we always especially right now we uh, after the pandemic right we are facing the, a lot of clients that have different expectations for me it's nothing wrong with that it's nothing wrong with that because everyone has different palettes different expectations I can't expect all my guests love my food what I put in the menus and we have to be flexible to change that based on the guest preference. That is our jobs, and that's what I pay for to be uh, create the menus for 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 them, uh, so that they enjoy the stay with us in the hotels. They come to dine. They feel they are be taken care of with their stay. Yeah. St. Regis has several restaurants from a deli to fine dining and you are in charge of managing them all. How do you approach this very distinct styles of dining? Different concepts. So each restaurant have their own concept. Say, for example, Rondori is more into French brasserie style restaurant. Daily is all my pastry teams will create a special cakes. Uh, uh, the dessert pastry to display in the, our cake shops over there. And Pantai Grill is a restaurant nearby beach. Okay. It's a kitchen that 
don't use any gas. We use all wood fire and charcoal, serving pizza, grills, steaks, uh, tacos. Yeah. And for Kayabute, it's more into fine dining concept. So different concepts, different expectations, and difference of targets with the guests. So <clears throat> the the you might be having a sunset in the beach, right? Then you just want to grab very comfort foods, tacos, eat with drink with the cocktails and enjoy the sunset. That is the concept of that restaurant. So based on the concept of the restaurant, I will create the menu. And the inspiration for me always comes from the book. Um, right now I'm doing more into social media to see what are the Nordic people doing that. For me, the trend in Nordic is 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 the inspire for me always the what are the they, they always create a new trend of the food. Nordics, they always create a new trend of the food. So it applies with the restaurants and the concept of the restaurant as well. It depends on the creativity, how I can twist around the foods and the presentations. How do you think your essence or persona as a chef shines through in your dishes that you create? And like you said, you get inspiration and then you innovate and then you bring it to life through your chefs. I, I go through this by imaginations. <laughs> and when I create menus, every time I, I will close my eyes and I imagine it, I would imagine the textures, the taste. Eventually, most of my time when I create menu, I don't do any sample or I, I don't do any tasting. I just close the eyes, imagine the palette, the taste combination, the texture and presentation. I can come up very good imagination if I close my eyes. And it's that's, very... That's your creative process. That's very personal yeah, that's, to that you. Yeah, me. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So your multi-course uh, wine dinner is called Taste, Texture and Theatre. How do you ensure guests are not too fatigued throughout a seven or more course meal that lasts one to two hours? I think the journey of the guest experience, especially when they haven't dined our my restaurant, one of the restaurants, Kayabude, is very important. Um, guests who came, of course, they have more higher expectation. They will know that definitely in the menu explained to them will spend one to two hours for their journey. But throughout the journey of the food, they will experience, like you eat Japanese food, you will eat from the light to the heavy parts. So the journey of the food um, that I apply in Kaibute is from light to heavy. So you can have very, yeah, so so your palate is very uh, light. You know, uh, your palate will not overcome it. You will not have a food like uh, start from the heavy and then when you eat the lighter food, right, you, you, won't, you won't taste anything. So I always say that the, the food journey when I plan the degustation menu, it will start from the light to the heavy. So you can experience the natural taste from the fruit, say for example, sweet and bitter from the white asparagus. Correct. You have a creamy and nutty from the butter. All these things um, is too out explained. Some of them, uh, some of my guests, they might not know what they are having in the menus because the words is quite culinary, quite FMB, and they might not know what they're doing. Explain, convince them, tell them what are the journey and experience you're gonna have if you order this. Is this this is the one that you're looking at? So that is my part of job to to convince them to tell them, okay, this is the thing you will be expecting, so that they don't miss thought because they might be have different expectations when they look at the menus. The words might not bring them clearly understand, but what are they having at? So through the explanations, um, the taste, the texture, and theater, they will be what they face, what they're having in the dinners. I always explain to them. 
Yeah, from Penang, uh, we all know that there's amazing hawker food here. I'm just curious, like, as a chef, you talk about the asparagus, like, the bitter, the sweet taste. But hawker food is like, like, uh, is like, oh, so delicious. And we don't, like, have this different, I think, uh, what, distinct variation of taste in it. Um, like, what are your thoughts on this as a Penang Knight um, who loves your hawker food, but now you are the chefs that have this amazing creation and inspiration. Uh, do you have something to say about that? I'm just curious. Well, for me, Penang hawker food is something you couldn't get in other places. Only in Penang. That's only in Penang. And <clears throat> Cha Gui Diao, Tua Pans, Hokkien Mee, all these things have their own taste, but it was not really um, promoted well. You know, Chagodiao, you have very strong smoky taste from the walks. And this smoky stand that is bring the palace out. And what uh, people still remember it, it because of the smoky take for the for, from the Chagodiao. And I, I did that as well when I go back home, short plan sleeper. I go and eat Chagodiao, dark eat Chagodiao. It's my famous taste. Yeah. Um, it's not easy for me to get the Penang hawker food into my menu. It's not easy at all. For me, first thing, ingredient sourcing, the techniques. The uncle that's selling the chocolate, it could be cooking for almost 40 to 50 years. How yeah, could sometimes I... like 60, 70 years, you know, all their yes. life. Yeah. Some might go to the generous generations of third generation. So this is the patient they have. I always respect them. Yeah. Even if on the... Uh, the sister, is about 80 uh, years. Sister Karimi? Yes, Karimi, you're right. Yeah. It, because you could just see their patient, even how yeah. old they are, they're still coping that. This is the patient that I always respect as a chef, that they deliver what they feel satisfied. It's not about the part of earning money. It's, it's the satisfaction where you give the people eat the food of yours, right? When they eat it, you feel like it's worth for what I'm doing. Yeah. Part of your role as the chef is to speak to the restaurant, people who come to the restaurants, your customers, after their meals are completed. How do you navigate that and why do you think it's important for you to show up and talk to your customers after their meals? Mm, of course, first they pay They pay for the meal. I, I'm, I, I have to make sure that the experience is good. It won't be every time perfect for all the meal. Some guests might have different expectations. It was not good. And this is how I want to maintain the relationship with the guests who are come for the meal. Because I need to know that is that experience of the meal, um, I mean, it's what they're looking at. Is this, do they enjoy it? Because they might pay 800 ringgit per person to enjoy the meals. And if you don't happy with that, it will give a very bad impression for them. I would rather that in between after and before, I go and talk to the guests so that I know, is this something they're looking at? Is this not they are looking at? I can twist around. I'm not a stubborn person saying that you have to follow my menu to eat. If not, get out. That might be applying to my French chef last time. But for me, in between, if I know something is going wrong with the food, this is what they're not looking at. I have the chance to twist it back. Say, for example, very simple risotto. And risotto is very common that Italian people would eat it at al dente. And for them, if you cook it 100%, it's not respect to the food. Yeah. But when it comes to Asian, Chinese, if your rice is not cooked, it's a totally different story, you know? It's a totally different yeah. story. And some Chinese, they will prefer al dente risotto. They will prefer, because they know what is the food uh, that they're eating, but not ours. So this is just an example that I'm trying to 
give the example. So in between, if I know something wrong with the food, I can twist it. I'm flexible to twist around. Go to their taste. I might be enjoying medium rare beef. Some guests might be medium brown or medium. So this is the thing that I can twist around so that when they leave, I just want my guests who come for the restaurant, who they come for it, they feel satisfied, they feel taken care, and they feel worth to come for a meal that is maybe spent for about 500, 600, 800, they feel worth. That is very important to take care. And it is very important if they feel happy with the meal, they will come back again. And I think my question is, is this natural for you as a chef? Um, are you an introvert or an extrovert that you feel comfortable talking to um, your customers each time after the meals? Not really in the past, but right now it's become a, a habit for me. Really. It's not a habit, it's a, like a things I will do and go, go and talk to the guests. In the past, I'm very shy. I'm not a good talker. I, 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 other than food, I don't know what to talk and I will feel... I'm not a good social person. But not, the longer I talk to the guests, right, I feel it's getting more and more comfortable. And most of the time, my guests, former company guests, become my friends. We, we, we becomes, you know, they will come again. Many I come get to a restaurant. So what I want to eat is, you know, I, I think it's quite good and it's become a natural for me. It's like practice makes perfect. Yeah, yeah. But you are also a very warm person. I've spoken to you a few times before this interview. Um, now, looking back, has it ever crossed your mind that you will be here right now um, as the first female executive chef of Seng Regis Langkawi breaking the ceiling in the culinary world? I never thought of that. Oh, never. Um, it's, it's almost like 13, 14 years I worked overseas. I never thought of that. I never thought of I was given a chance back to Malaysia because it's not easy for a female to lead the brand, luxury brand in the Malaysia. Most of the time, people will hire expats female to, 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 to be the as a chef. And I never thought of myself given the chance to be the as a chef in Senate Islam Kawi. Honestly, never thought of that at all. When I received the call from, for my job offer, my first question is, are you serious? Are you serious? I never worked in in this role before and I never thought I can get it in Malaysia. Never thought of that at all. It's a gift, I would say. And this is the opportunity, of course, when I'm working in Saragis Macau, I've got given a lot of opportunity working with corporate from Merits. So Macau and Hong Kong is like one hour journey from ferries. So I'm given a lot of chance to work out with corporate from Hong Kong's and they saw my performance, uh, how I how I run the Serenity Macau. So the offer actually has come from corporate Hong Kong's that giving me the chance to uh, to be the part of Serenity Macaui. Where the time they are looking at females and they're looking at Serenity uh, experience um, and also Malaysians. And luckily, thank God, I fulfilled two requirements. I fulfill the two requirements that they're looking at. Um, I'm just sous chef in Saragis Macau, but I'm very grateful that when I got the offer from corporates, I called to my ex-chef from Saragis Macau. Should I take it? It's going to be very stressful for me, you know. I, 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 I'm not sure if, am I able to run. But they convinced me. They asked me to try. If I don't feel comfortable to try, don't take. But they make me feel... I'm ready for this. And I always given chance to try new things. And this is how the merits away 
do right, um, training the new tenants. They give me a chance. Although I'm fresh, I could be screw up the entire operation in San Regisland Kauwi. I could be, you know. The one in the chef, I could be screw up the entire operation of San Regisland Kauwi, but given the chance and the opportunity guidance is not only come from my current property, from my MD, it's also always I ask the help from my corporates. Sometimes if I need the help, I might be don't know how to handle the situation. I ask them, I call them, what can I do in these situations? And I believe the industry is very small. Even right now with my first executive, I still in touch with him. Because I know I'm junior enough to be this position. I never shy to ask help, ask the advice from people. What can I do and what should I do? What was the most important or significant lesson you learned throughout your time um, as a chef in this past decade? Mm. Learn the basics, I believe. The basic is very important. Even you can twist around all the food while you're serving, but the basic is very important for me, like the cooking techniques. Cooking techniques in French cuisine is a lot. Braised, stews. Uh, our rosé, baked rose, all these things is a technique that you're applying on the food. And how you twist around is based on the creativity. The twisting around the modern way, how does it go, is creativity. But if you want to make it mm, a nice siphon cake, you have to learn how to do the batter, beat the batters, and baking temperatures. But how are you going to twist it with your, maybe go with the... Uh, uh, you know, a grey Swiss roll, everything's like, it's about the creativity and the taste combination. But the basic is very important for me. Uh, just like a baby, you have to learn to walk first. It might be difficult, but go through the difficult process. A day when we become a senior or leaders in the kitchen, it will be easy for you. I love yeah. that. And I think like this advice can be applied in all areas of our life, in all kinds of industry and finally my question is do you have any advice for young chefs who are looking to advance their career just as you have done um, we've seen so far in your journey mm. for me it's very important uh, to learn basics like what I said earlier um, right now you might be going to Le Cordon Blue to study degree master everything's in your career but it, for me it's very important in on job experience what you have learned cutting vegetable. I did cut my finger and went to hospital for stitching. Honestly, yes. It's not easy because you learn the knowledge in school, but when you come to work, it's a different scenario. You might be spending one hour to butchering the chickens correct, in the school, but in the reality, you might just less than two minutes to do this. So it's very important with the job experience for me that you learn and never give up. The career of a chef is not start as with few thousand of salary. It could be just come to thousand five, two thousand. It's very little. As long as it's good enough for you to survive, go for it. Patience is very important. I never celebrate Chinese New Year for the last ten years. It's no chance for me to celebrate Chinese New Year because this is um say for example Chinese New Year, Christmas, Valentine Day, uh, any any festive. It's not a day for a chef to be go to home. It's not easy, you know. It's not easy whereby all the people are celebrating Chinese New Year reunion, eating. I'm the one that's cooking in the kitchen. It's very difficult for the first two to three years. I feel like give up. I feel like give up. Why should I do that? I should go back home, enjoy the meal, enjoy the steamboat with my family, but I didn't do that. 
I feel satisfied when I'm cooking for people because I make them reunions. Without chef cooking food for them, how could they reunion? Unless they want to cook at home. But I feel satisfied when I cook for people reunions. I cook for people to have celebrate their Christmas. I feel the satisfaction. Although I'm always late for my Chinese New Year celebration with my family, but I satisfy. Because I cook for people that go back, I will celebrate with my family. And I'm very thankful that my family support me in this. So it's not easy. The 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 family support is very important. And your mentor have to be very strong. Two to three years, I can see a lot of juniors, they quit off the industry of chef. They go to Sears. Most of my schoolmates, you know, some working in Google beauty salons. All of them already quit the job as a chef. I'm the only one still working as a chef. It's not easy. In the first five years, they were sharing. You know, we, we communicate to each other. They were sharing how good is their life, driving a good car or credit card, enjoying going to a nice restaurant. For me, I'd have no chance for the first five years. And working, work, work, work. Um, am I getting the salary of 3,000 me on that times? Driving Kamara. And I don't feel wrongs. I enjoy it. And you don't compare yourself with others. The most important, don't compare yourself with others. We might be working very tough in the kitchen, but important, do we enjoy it? Yes, I enjoy it. Do you want to continue your life as a chef? Yes, I will. If you have the motivation, passionate to go for it, you will be successful. You have just listened to Mandy's story on Foodie Canteen. Hers is one of her persistent and passionate personality, reminding us that we should always remember the why in what we do. This show is produced by me, your host Castle Lim, and co-written by Sulin Chang. Foodie Canteen Podcast is made possible by the excellent team at Good Foodie Media. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Foodie Canteen for more. Follow us for brand new episodes every Friday. Thanks for listening.